Fab. Okay, you may be, uh, if you've seen in the program, you may be wondering why I don't look like James. And uh, also you're hearing me two weeks in a row, but we had a little bit of a change of schedule, so you've got me this morning. Hope that you can bear with that two weeks in a row. That's all right. Okay. Um, Brilliant. Um, I thought um, that we don't have really a a topic we were allowed to talk on what we want uh, this evening. And uh, I sort of linked it in with some stuff that I was doing, uh, some stuff I was doing at youth. Uh, on Friday, so uh, just the beginning, a little bit. Some of you young people, if you're at youth, might have heard um, some little bits of this, but um, you know, it's always good to hear something twice, isn't it? So that's that's good. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna talk this morning a little bit about sin. Now that sounds quite a heavy topic, but I promise I'll try and make it a little bit lighthearted as well. Um, but it is an, a, a serious thing we need to look at, and uh, I love maths. Um, speaking this morning about the communion and the lead up to that about the problem and Jesus had to solve it so I'm going to talk I'm going to rewind slightly and talk a little bit about the problem this morning talk about why Jesus had to come why did he need to come uh, and die on a cross and um, the Bible kind of tells us that we're all infected by sin and we we sort of can think of it like a little bit like a disease Um, and um, I want to just point out some diseases this morning because this was quite fun obviously a little bit topical with the coronavirus going around the world but these are some diseases um that you might have not heard of before that are um like a bit unusual or a bit weird um most of them really rare so i want you to try and think which one you if you had to pick one you know a bit of a would you rather would you rather which one would if you had to now we do have two doctors in this morning so um if i pronounce something wrong or i'm completely off you know you feel free to yell out correct me but they're probably not going to do that probably come to me at the end again no that was completely wrong but here we go um so the first one's called progeria, progeria, and um, this, this sounds like a pretty horrible one, to be honest. It starts uh, as like a baby in the womb gets it, and um, when they're born, it looks like they're aging prematurely. Obviously, you can't actually get old quicker, but it looks like they are, and they have a really strange appearance. So most of them will die um, by the age of 13, and uh, it includes having some abnormal, uh, abnormal facial developments, a dish disproportionately small face, bulging prominent eyes, and an underdeveloped jaw. That sounds quite nasty, doesn't it? By the age of two, hair from the scalp, eyebrows, and eyelashes is lost. So they lose their hair. They go bald by two. That's, that's pretty horrible, isn't it? They all look like Math. They grow the hair. <laughs> Still has. You're just an easy target on the front row there, Math. Um, obviously, you do still have your eyebrows, so that's, that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but they'd lose all their hair and then um, eventually die. And uh, there's lots of other com- I haven't got time to go into it, lots of other complications with this illness. Um, it sounds it sounds like something out of a kind of science fiction sort of thing, doesn't it? Where they look like they're getting old before they are, and they like uh, yeah. There's probably some strange programs about. So that's that's a pretty bad one to start off with. Like some of them are a bit <laughs> more lighthearted than that. Okay, the second one is um, didn't know if you know this is actually possible. Um, uh, an allergy to water. Yeah, you know, so when some kids say they're allergic to water because they only like juice, and you go, that's not possible. Well, it's not actually possible to be allergic to water, um, but there is like a hypersensitivity, and it only happens because of a a chemical kind of hormone imbalance, or it can come, and birth can trigger it. It's extremely rare. There's only ever been 30 people reported to have it. But there was an instance uh, of a lady um, who was 21 years old, and she was unable to drink water um, or get caught in the rain. Her skin would come up in a rash if she was sort of out in the rain um, and go really red and like a burning sensation. She could only shower for a maximum of 10 seconds a week. So uh, you wouldn't want to get dirty, would you, if you had that? You'd be like, I don't know if she could use baby wipes or anything like that to clean herself up. Not so good. And the only thing she could drink was Diet Coke. 
So that shows you a bit about how unnatural Diet Coke is, doesn't it? <laughs> Don't know what they put in it. Nothing good. Um, okay, so next one. This is, this is a fun one. Foreign accent syndrome. So pe people just started talking randomly in a different accent. And I would do one for you, but I'm no good at accents. Uh, so can you imagine you just talk to your mate and all of a sudden they start talking in like a completely different accent. They thought it was like a psychiatric thing, but they actually studied it. And um, scientists at Oxford University, they observed some of the same brain abnormalities in people who had got it. So that uh, led to changes in their uh, speech, pitch, lengthening of vowel sounds and other irregularities. So they started to just sound like talk with a totally different accent. So yeah, I think that's, that's a pretty cool one. Um, <laughs> as opposed to this one, which doesn't sound so nice, but it's called laughing death. Because people who get it um, are, have bouts of hysterical laughter. Um, and sort of going like a little bit insane. It was, it was um, only found in one particular tribe. Um, it does get a bit worse than laughter. There's some few more nasty symptoms than that. Um, so they had shaking limbs, um, and then a month to three months later, they began to sway, stumble, lose the ability to stand, become cross-eyed, lose the power of coherent speech before eventually dying. Sounds nice, that one, doesn't it? And uh, the interesting thing was they studied this um, tribe of people who had it was sort of just in one tribe of people, and they had a custom of eating family members after death. And um, they found out that it was actually wow. the cannibalism that caused it, and when they stopped eating people, the disease went away. Which So there's something for you to take away this morning. If you don't hear anything else... Don't eat your family. Um, yeah, yeah, I didn't say anything about friends. So, uh, oh no, we've lost it already. So, it, the disease was caused by the emergence of holes in the brain known as Swiss cheesing. Nice. Um, so, out of those, oh no, sorry, there's one more. There's a last one called Piker, and this um, almost always is pregnant women or children. And it's where you develop an appetite for non-nutritive substances. So you want to eat things that aren't food, basically, such as paint, clay, plaster, or dirt. Um, or alternatively, it can be things that are more like um, ingredients, like raw rice, salt, or flour. Um, it only counts if it persists for over a month. And I did hear a story, Freya was telling me about a, a pregnant woman who was eating bricks, just had an appetite for bricks and just couldn't help herself. So out of those, hands up, if you're like me, and out of all those, you know, would you rather... Who would prefer the foreign accent syndrome? <laughs> Anyone? For no one for a, no one volunteering for a water allergy or Swiss cheese in? No, we're all we're all going for that. Okay. Um, yeah, that was a, a good start, wasn't it? So, <laughs> sin can be uh, considered a little bit like a disease. I think we should read the Bible. I don't know what you guys think. So I'm going to be rambling about diseases. Joe will be saying, "What was the preach about this morning?" And I'll be like, "Well." <laughs> Okay, I'm going to read this story out of 2 Kings 5 and verse 14. And it's about a man with leprosy. And um, you may have heard the story before, but I'm going to, I'm going to read it. Um, it is a little bit long, but you can cope with that this morning, can't you? You've all got your listening ears on. Okay, so now Naaman was the commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a, a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served as Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of leprosy. So Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. 
by all means, go, the king of Aram said. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10,000 Set, uh, sorry, 10 sets of clothing. 10,000 sets of clothing would be quite heavy, wouldn't it? The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robe and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? What does this fellow send someone to be cured of leprosy? See now he's trying to quarrel, pick a quarrel with me. Then, uh, sorry, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you tore your robes? Make the man come to me, and he will know there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a message to him to say, Wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry. He said, I thought he would surely come out to me uh, and stand and call the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not... Abner and Parfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel. Couldn't I have just washed in them and be closed? So he went off and turned. So he went and turned off in a rage. Naaman's servant went with him, and said to him, "My father, the prophet told you to do some great thing. Would you have done it? How much more than when he tells you wash and be cleansed?" So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. So Naaman was this um, commander in the army, and uh, he, was, he was a really important guy, and he got sent to Elisha, the prophet, to get cured of this disease um, called leprosy. I want to tell you a little bit about um, leprosy. Um, I'm sure most of you know that it's a, a skin condition. It, today, it's curable. Um, we can cure it with antibiotics, but they didn't have a cure then. And it presents with rash and sores um, on the skin, and uh, left untreated, it can do serious damage. It causes nerve damage. Um, it can end up, you can have numbness. Um, and eventually, it will damage nerve receptors. So you couldn't feel pain in your hands and your feet. It could also cause blindness. And there was a list of other things that could happen um, of having leprosy. Leprosy has quite a long incubation period. So in other words, you can catch it off somebody, but not necessarily develop symptoms. So you're walking around and you've got it, but um, sometimes three to five years, but up to 20 years you could be waiting before you develop these symptoms um, of leprosy. So I want to look this morning. I'm going to jump back to that story in a minute. But first of all, I want to look at, at what is sin. Sin is a word we use a lot um, in church um, as Christians and things like that. And I say this sometimes in the, in the world, like um, just out and about, you know, outside church. We perhaps don't hear that word as much anymore, apart from maybe like in Weight Watchers circles when it refers to eating something that you shouldn't eat. If you've had too many sins, you've eaten too much chocolate. Um, but that's not the biblical definition of sin. So I just want to tell you, first of all, what I'm talking about when I say the word sin. So first of all, um, sin in sort of the basic form of sin is doing something wrong. So when we talk about doing a sin, we're doing something wrong. Second thing is any action against God's will. So we might think it's okay. And a society might think it's okay. Your friends might think it's okay. But if God says it's not okay, then it's still a sin. The Bible says it's not okay. It's still a sin. The other thing that is a sin is anything that comes above God is a sin. So uh, God says um, in the commandments, like, love me, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Don't worship anything above me. So when we put anything above God, that's also a sin. It might not even be a, a bad thing, but when we put that first and we listen to that over God, then that is a sin. And sin also includes not doing the things that you should do. So there might be something that you should be doing that you're not doing. That can include that as well. So sin is quite a broad 
kind of picture. And, and you can see from that list there that it's something that affects us all. Not one of us can say that we've never sinned. Yeah. There's a great story in the Bible where Jesus is brought, a woman is brought to Jesus. She's been um, caught um, in adultery and, uh, and the, the legal thing they need to do is stone her to death. And there's a big crowd of people there, and they look at Jesus and say, what should we do? They're trying to catch Jesus out because they know that Jesus has got to enforce the law, but they also know that he's a merciful person. And, uh, and so Jesus says these words. He says, if you've never, um, he who's never sinned, cast the first stone. So in other words, anybody here, if you haven't sinned, you throw the first stone. And I love um, that it says uh, these words in the Bible. It says, they went away in age order. So oldest first went and left the room and walked, uh, and walked out, followed by going down in age to the youngest till everybody had gone. And then Jesus says to her, then I don't condemn you either. He could have because he had never sinned, but he said, I don't condemn you either. But I just find that interesting because if you ask a room um, of, of people, um, I do a lot of kids' work and schools' work, and if you ask um, a room full of kids, hey, has anybody here, have you never done anything wrong? Have you been perfect all your life and never sinned? There'll always be one or two that will put their hand up. And then some of them, they're being genuine. Some of them are just being cocky because they're, they're just trying to um, say the opposite of what you, they know you want to hear. But some of them are being genuine. They genuinely think they've never done anything wrong. And you, you kind of, you give them a few reminders. So you've never lied. You've never, you've always done what you're told every day. And they, oh, maybe. Um, but you ask in a group of adults, Who's, who's perfect, who's never done, not one person will put the hand up. I'd try in here, but I, I, you know, I, I know, not one person will put the hand up. And if they were, they'd probably be a bit deluded. So we know, don't we? We know. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> we know that we are, we know that this list of things, doing things wrong, doing things against God's will, not doing the things we should do. We know we're all affected by it, don't we? We know that as a human race, you know, we say we're human. That's kind of what we, we know with that phrase, oh, well, we're just human. Basically, means, well, we know we're not perfect, isn't it? We know we're going to make mistakes. But this problem of sin, the Bible says it is actually a really serious problem. It's a problem that needed a solution. And there's only one person that can give us that solution, and that was Jesus as he died on the cross. So I want to just compare a little bit of sin to leprosy, okay? So go with me here. So the first thing about leprosy is leprosy would separate people from their friends, their family, um, because they were contagious. And I think, you know, what I said about the incubation period, um, that would probably make it worse because people would be walking around but not know they had the symptoms. So if somebody did develop symptoms, they would be told they would have to separate themselves outside the village, outside the community, and they would not be allowed to touch anybody. And so they would be isolated and, uh, and have to stay outside. So if it was Lauf, I like, imagine you maybe have to camp outside one of the Lauf signs in the field, something like that, not allowed in. Maybe somebody would come out and bring you food and things like that. But you, you weren't allowed to touch anyone. And isn't that a little bit like sin? Because sin ultimately separates us. It separates us from God, the Bible says, and it, it also fractures relationships that we have. Sin will always divide. It will always come between and, um, and make us separate uh, from it. And because we all suffer from sin, um, we, we don't always realize the seriousness of it. So, um, so like the, the disease leprosy, it started, if it left untreated for quite a long time, it would start to numb people and they wouldn't be able to feel pain anymore. So you might think, oh, that's quite a good thing, not being able to feel pain. Um, but actually, it was, it was a real, it's a real negative, because obviously, if you hurt yourself, you don't know about it. So people with leprosy can, can burn themselves, because your immediate reaction, if you touch something hot, is you pull your hand away, or whatever it is. Um, 
But they wouldn't, they wouldn't know to do that, so they'd burn themselves, they'd cut themselves. If they stood on something, they wouldn't realise, and it would just keep making you know, holes in their feet or whatever it was. So it was a real negative thing. They didn't feel the pain. They, got, they, were, they were numb, and they got nerve damage. And, uh, and, and that's a little bit like what sin can do to us. Because we're all affected, we don't realise the seriousness of sin. We're kind of a bit blind to it. And, um, and sometimes that's true as well of when you do a particular thing wrong, the more you do it, the more numb you come to it, don't you? The less you kind of think um, that thing is particularly bad and you learned how to justify it. And, and you kind of look around and go, well, everybody's doing it, so it can't be that bad. And as, a, as a, a, a human race, we become numb to the effects of sin. Just like with leprosy where things started to, uh, the, the hands and feet became numb. And only God can truly see sin for what it is because he's the only one who's perfect. So it says in Jeremiah, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who knows how bad it is? And then in Isaiah, it says, we are unfit to worship you. Each of our good deeds is merely a filthy rag. And uh, in other words, even the good we try to do is tainted because as human beings, we are tainted with sin. Even the good things we try to do, God looks at that and it looks like a filthy rag. And uh, eventually as well, the disease could blind people and sin blinds us to who God is. The sin in us helps us uh, have this distorted view of God and can blind us to his very existence. Leprosy has a long incubation period, which I've already said, sometimes it takes a while to develop symptoms. And in the same kind of way, as we're all kind of walking around knowing that we have um, sin in our lives, we perhaps don't realise how bad it is because we're walking around and we've not seen the symptoms yet. But um, those symptoms will always come out in the end. So the Bible tells us that we're all affected by sin and left untreated, it is a serious thing. So we're going to take a look at this story this morning, take a look at Naaman, because there is an answer. This is not all going to be depressing and, and sort of how serious sin is, because actually there is an answer that we've been given. There is a solution, and I'm so glad Math talked about that earlier. There is an eternal solution to the problem, and we have the answer, and that's amazing, isn't it? And, uh, and there's, a, there's a person in this story with the healing story of Naaman who, who knew the answer. The little girl, she knew the answer. I'm going to talk about her in a few minutes. But she pointed towards the answer to this guy for Naaman. But he was quite a, a proud man, it seems. He was a military man. He was well respected and well looked up to. If you looked at Naaman, you might not even know he had the disease because it, said, it says, talks about how he's well respected and he was a military man. He probably wore a coat of armor. And you might not see under the armor this weakness that he had, this disease that he had. I would expect that he would probably hide it from those around him under this coat of armor. And pride makes us do that, doesn't it? It makes us hide our sin. And uh, this guy, he nearly lost his miracle. So you can see from the, the, a bit later on in the story that he goes um, and he, um, he goes to get his healing and um, he didn't get the answer he expected because he thought like, I'm a really important people and he come with all these gifts and a letter from the king. He was quite high ranking and he expected Elisha to come out with him and he said, you know, I expect him to come and wave over the area. He had it all in his mind how he thought it was going to work. And, um, and Elisha didn't even come out, didn't even have the courtesy to come out and say, hey, I'm the prophet, I'm going to heal you. He just said, go dip in the river seven times. So he was like mortified. He was like, how dare he not come and see me? And he nearly lost his healing because of that pride in him. He said, yeah, I'm a well-respected leader. You know, why is it he come out and say, I could have just done that in the river near my house. You know, why, why has he made me do this? But luckily, there's some wise advice given to him. And he said, somebody said to him, one of his advisors, this is a simple thing to do. 
It's a really easy thing to do. You know, if you'd asked you to do something really complicated, you would have done it. So just go and do it. Just go and dip in the river like he says. And then he got his miracle. And um, I didn't carry on reading, but if you read the rest of the story, he's so overjoyed at his healing. And he goes back and he's trying to give gifts to Elisha and just say thank you for this healing. But, but pride nearly stopped him, didn't it? Pride nearly stopped him getting um, his healing because he was um, too proud to do as he was told. And he thought it should have been done in a different way. And how many times do we, does pride make us hide our sin? You know, just like the armor, we have a protective layer around us and we go around our lives and we present the version of ourselves we wish um, we were, we want other people to see. You know, social media is really bad for that, isn't it? You know, you can look at somebody, you, you know, a good friend that you know and maybe they're going for a tough time. But if you looked at their Facebook page, it would look like all was glowing, wasn't it? And all was, all was great. And we can hide um, behind this protection, behind this layer. And um, I've got a little story just to illustrate my point here. And um, I just I ran it by Paul and, and um, Freya because um, it's a bit embarrassing. So I've got two stories, okay? I've got two stories. They both illustrate the same point. One, just, one doesn't make me look great. One's like uber embarrassing. So I'm, I'm going to make it interactive this morning, okay? Which would you like to hear? Hands up for the, the one where I look all right. You're not getting both. You have to choose. Ha hands up for the embarrassing one. Oh, come on, guys. <laughs> You're all mean. Okay, okay. Can we pretend it's someone else while I tell it? Yeah? So there was this girl. She was about four years old. She was very young. I'm just saying that out. She was a very young girl. Nobody come up to me after the end and going, oh, you were 21, weren't you? No. Um, about four years old, when I went, uh, I just, I just tell it in my, you know, it, it was me, you know that, so I'll just, I'll just say it as it was. Went to uh, my uh, nan and grandpa's house, and um, uh, we ha had a bed. Me and my sisters, we were in the bedroom and all that kind of stuff. And um, so I was getting changed at night, and I realised I was getting changed that my pants weren't 100% clean. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> told you it was embarrassing. So, you know, kids, that was wipe the bums properly, did I? I don't know. Um, so, so what I did, like in my um, infinite four-year-old wisdom, instead of maybe putting them in my suitcase or, I don't know, trying to wash them, I wasn't at home, so um, I thought, I'm going to hide them so nobody knows. And in the corner of the room, the carpet was, like, not quite stuck down properly. So, <laughs> so what I did is I pulled the carpet up and I stuck them under the carpet. And I just squashed the carpet back down. You must have been able to see there was like a bump in the carpet. Like it, it was obvious, really, looking back. So there you go, that's what I did. Came back into the room later, they were gone. I know, so I was like, oh no. Oh, that's embarrassing, isn't it? Somebody's found my secret hiding place. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so uh, my dad had found them. My dad had found them and he faced me up with it. And uh, I made the mistake of saying in front of all my family members and uh, people downstairs, I said, oh, I bet you don't know why I hid them. Like, why would you say that? I mean, what, what was going through my mind? And I, like, it was one of my early memories, but I still remember it to this day, the, the exact words my dad used. And he said, because there was a bit of a mess in them. <laughs> and at that point, I ran out crying in tears. Do I get an R? Because I've shared, I've shared the story. I was, yeah, thank you. I was mortified. It's probably why I still remember it, even though I was young. I was mortified, so embarrassed. 
about this uh, and in front of everyone. And, um, you know, you learn the lesson, don't you? Just put them in the washing machine or something. I don't know. <laughs> you get wisdom as you get older, but it was so embarrassing. Um, but, you know, that story, it just it, I don't know why, it just came into my head when I was writing this. kind of wish it hadn't, but it was there. And it did, it illustrated the point really well. And, uh, and the point is that, like Naaman, we sometimes hide, he hid his disease under his armor. And, um, do you know, like that, what, that's what we do with sin, isn't it? Like me, the carpet, we think, if I stick it there, out of sight, out of mind, gone away, I'm going to bury it. And that's what we do with sin. We bury it, we hide it, we do anything sometimes except deal with it. And I, I want to challenge us this morning. I want to um, make us think about this whole issue because there might be something in your life that you go, actually, that's something I've buried. That's something that's not good in my life. That's an issue. And instead of dealing with it, I've decided I'm going to hide it. And you know what? The Father knows. God always knows. My dad knew. Um, he found them. Um, but God knows your sin. He knows everything about you. And he just wants to help you. He just wants to help you deal with it. But unless it comes to light, that's not going to happen. Okay, unless you're willing to do the simple thing. So um, coming to God and repenting and saying sorry for your sin is not a complicated thing. You know, like what Naaman did. He had his pride, he stopped him. But it, it wasn't that what God asked him, uh, sorry, what Elisha asked him was complicated. It was that his pride got in the way. And what God asks us to do is not complicated. It's come to him and say we're sorry. Come to him and repent. Come to him and say, yeah, God, I have messed up. I have put other things before you. I'm not living your way. Will you forgive me? That's what he asks us to do. He asks us to do that and to choose to follow him. It's not complicated, but it does mean we have to put our pride aside. And we have to admit who we really are to God in front of him. So I want to challenge you. Don't let pride stop you getting your healing. Don't let pride stop you moving on with what God has got for you. The second thing about this miracle is that God's healing was a complete healing. He didn't do a half-hearted job. It says that when he came up from the river, his skin looked like the skin of a boy's. And uh, that made me think of it, because I don't know how old the, the guy was, but like, how cool would that be if he's like in his 50s and it's like he's had Botox? Like, woo! <laughs> like, he had the skin of a boy's. Like, he said, like, did his blemishes go and all his other spots and everything as well? He had like smooth skin and they'd be like, oh, where did you go? I'm going there. Um, but, like, God did a complete and utter job, didn't he? It's like he, he gave him new skin almost. And when we come to God, and when we come to God for healing, and we say sorry for the things we've done wrong, um, God does a complete healing. Being a Christian isn't just about changing your habits and changing your lifestyle. God changes us from the inside out. He changes our hearts. He makes us into a new creation. Even our desires change. So we start to want different things when we become a Christian. It's not a hardship like, oh, you know, I've got to try and live better. I've got to try and do this. God actually changes us from the inside out. So we actually want different things. It says in uh, 2 Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And in Galatians 5, it says, so Christ has set us free. Now make sure you stay free and don't get tied up again in, in slavery to the law. Make sure you stay free if God has set you free. If you're in here this morning and God has set you free and God has delivered you of sin, you know, we sang about it in loads of the words, don't get stuck back into that again. Don't go back to old ways. Don't go back to old habits. God has freed you and he's given you everything you need to live a life that is pleasing to him. And his healing is a complete healing. It says that you're a new creation. There is no reason that we need to go back to old things. And if you're in here and you're not a Christian um, and you think, actually, yeah, do you know, that sounds great. 
that God can make you a new creation, then God would love that this morning for you to make that choice. The third thing I want to look at this morning, the final thing from this story, is that it was a young girl that brought about the miracle. So this girl, it says at the beginning there, she'd been captured. She'd been um, probably taken away from her parents um, in, you know, in war and stuff like that. They brought her across. She didn't have the best childhood, it sounds like. She's there, and then she's got to be a servant to these people. But you don't read about any bitterness in her. You don't read about anything um, negative. She just sees a problem. She sees somebody who's ill, and she has the answer. She has the solution. Yeah. And uh, she's like, yes, I need to tell them. I need to tell them where they can get healing because I have the answer to this problem. She could have kind of resented them for taking, taking her out of where she was and said, no, no, I don't want don't to give them the answer. They don't deserve it. But no, she decided she wanted them, him to get healed. And um, I just think that that's amazing. That girl pointed um, him in the right direction and showed him where to go. And, you know, as Christians, we have the answer, don't we? We can't heal anybody. We can't save anybody. But we know someone who can. We know that God is the answer to everything that is wrong with the world. And all she had to do was just tell them, just point them in the right direction, just show them where to find the answer. And, uh, and I just think that's amazing. I think that's a challenge for us this morning. Again, what the girl did was simple. She just shared. She just shared, look, I know where you can find an answer to this. If you're willing, can you go? I wonder if Clarkie can just come up and join me just for the last part as we kind of sum up this message. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5, we use mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. You know, if God can use this young girl um, in this story to, to lead this guy to healing, he can use us. He can use us as a church corporately and he can use us individually to point people in the right direction. And uh, I heard a a story once kind of went around um, AOG circles quite a bit because they used to do this thing at Alton Towers, um, which was like a big event. And at the end, so the idea was people would bring all their youth groups and then at the end there was a concert and someone would speak and someone would talk about Jesus and, um, and they would get to hear it because they'd come from maybe Alton Towers, but then they would hear this message and be like, wow. And I said, this girl got saved. She, she became a Christian at one of these events. And she said, this next year, she said, we've got to get in. I've got to bring my friends to this event because they need to find Jesus. They need to know who the answer is. And uh, so she got, she organized, oh, she got a coach. And, uh, but she was quite young and she didn't really think it all through. So she didn't buy tickets beforehand. And she got to the gate and they went to go in and there was no tickets left. And uh, most of us at that point would probably give up and maybe go somewhere else or go home or whatever. But she wasn't giving up. And uh, so, so they had the tickets into the park, but no tickets left for the concert. So she said, go into the park to all her friends. I'm going to stay here, and I'm going to try and get some tickets into the concert. And she stayed there for hours. And every youth group that came through, she, she said, hey, who's in charge? And she spoke to the youth leader, and she said, do you have any spare tickets? Anyone that's not shown up, could you give me one ticket to the concert tonight? And she stayed there for hours until she had tickets for every single one of the young people that she'd bought on that coach. Because she knew that Jesus was the answer for them. And she had the determination that she wasn't going to give up, that she was going to keep going until every one of her friends had heard this message that she had heard the year before that had changed her life. And I want to ask us this morning, church, where has our desperation gone? Where has our desperation gone to see lost people find Jesus? That's what we're about, isn't it? We have the answer and people need to hear about it. You know what the girl did wasn't 
very complicated. Sometimes we think we have to know everything, have all the answers to share our faith. And, uh, and, and we have to be able to, you know, be an expert in evangelism. But we don't. All the girl did is just say, this is where the answer is. Let me point you in this direction. That's all she did. Maybe an invite. Maybe just telling people about why you believe what you believe, what God's done for you. It's so simple. But I just want to encourage us this morning that the problem of sin is a big problem. But we have an answer, church. We have an answer. There's some big events coming up in the life of our church, you know, it's great that we personally evangelize, that's so important, but also we do stuff corporately, and we know we've got Reach Week coming up, you know, if you haven't volunteered and you're a bit on the fence, I encourage you, why not get involved in that week, Um, I've also got quite an exciting thing to tell you about, which is coming up soon, and that's, we're running a big community day, and um, you're going to be hearing a lot about it coming up, but I'm just going to give you a little flavor, we're going to be running it um, at St. Michael's School in July, we're going to have loads of inflatables there we've got um warren who is um ace from the gladiators um if you ever watch that he's gonna come uh, because he's a christian he's gonna be sharing a little bit it's gonna be an amazing weekend we want to put it onto the community for free just so they can come find out a bit about who we are and maybe ultimately find out about jesus get our name out there and it's gonna be amazing um but because we're doing it for free um we need funding so um, in the next, I think it's maybe next week or the week after, we're going to do an offering for it. I'll get the details out. But if you want to give to that as well, that's another way that we can be like that girl, isn't it? The desperation of seeing people find him. I'm just going to finish by praying this morning, but I want to just do two things. If you want to close your eyes, because there might be people in here this morning that maybe you've never thought about the problem of sin before. You're not a Christian. And, um, you know, it's easy when you're not a Christian just to kind of think sin's not an issue, you know, everyone's doing these things. But if what I've said this morning, you think, actually, yeah, I need that. I need to hear, I need to have that problem solved. I need to have forgiveness for my sin. I've already said it's really simple. We just have to come to God and say sorry and um, accept him, accept his sacrifice that he did. If that's you this morning, I just want you to do me a favor. I'm going to say a prayer for you. All I want you to do is just to put your hand up in the air and put your hand down again. Let's all, let's all do it together, okay? Just show us. Keep your eyes shut, but after three, I want you just to put your hand up and put it down again. One, two, three, and down again. Okay, now for real, this time, if that's you, and you want to say, yeah, I want to fi- find out more about that, or I want to become a Christian this morning, I'm going to count to three again. I just want you to put your hand up and put your hand down, exactly the same as you did the first time. One, two, three. Put your hand up. That's you. That's amazing. That's amazing. I want to just pray for you, if that was you. Just, I want you to just repeat this prayer in your heart and God knows what you're saying in your heart to him dear God I'm sorry for the times when I've sinned when I've done wrong but I thank you that in Jesus you gave us the solution you died on a cross to set us free from sin and to forgive us and I accept that sacrifice today and I choose to live my life your way amen if that's you this morning and you prayed that prayer for the first time Please don't go without talking to someone. We've got things, materials we can give you to help you on your journey with that. Um, You know, we'd love to sit with you and to pray with you. And I just want to pray for the rest of us as well this morning. Maybe something that I've said, you know, resounded with you. Maybe there's a sin, an issue that you need to work out. You know, it's great to talk to other people about those things. It's great to share it. But I just want to pray from the front as well um, and just pray for us on this whole thing. So, Lord, we just thank you for speaking to us this morning we thank you that 
although sin is a problem, God, that it's a problem that you solved and dealt with once and for all. And I just pray for anyone in here who is maybe struggling with a particular sin or issue, God. I pray that we won't hide it, God, but that you would help us to deal with it. God, that we'd let our guard down to people and maybe tell somebody about it. But Lord, I thank you that you have the answer to that. I thank you for your forgiveness in here this morning, Lord. And God, would you give us a passion to share with other people? Would you give us a desperation, God, to share the answer, to share about you with other people in our community? Amen.